Welcome to Vegan Boss Radio, where we will be talking about all things related to business, health, and lifestyle. We connect with passionate vegans from around the world so they can share their stories, challenges, and what it's like to navigate being vegan in a non-vegan world. This episode of Vegan Boss Radio is brought to you by Plant Life Nutrition. Plant Life Nutrition is Vancouver's first fully vegan nutrition store. This is also where I offer my vegan nutrition, coaching services, and custom meal plan services. And these are available both in person at the store and online. And what's so great about Plant Life is when you shop at the store, you know everything is vegan approved and nutritionist approved. So they've really done the homework for you. For 10% off all products and services, follow them on Instagram at Plant Life Nutrition and comment Vegan Boss on their latest post. Welcome to episode 18 of Vegan Boss Radio. Today our guest is Vicento Molina. She is a vegan dietitian. Not just a vegan dietitian, she's the vegan dietitian. (laughs) Um, I've been following her for a very long time. She is an award-winning book author, so some of you may be familiar with um, the book Becoming Vegan, which is one of my favorite resources on the topic of plant-based nutrition. So thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you. It's a pleasure. It's great to have you. I just... I have so many questions, Um, but yeah, I I am just very curious about what started you on this path and um, what sparked your interest in like vegan and vegetarian nutrition. Okay, well, in the 70s, it was kind of a trend to adopt basically vegetarian diets. We hadn't really heard of vegan yet, at least most of us hadn't. And in Vancouver area, we were meditating a little bit and we just started a little club and this was a fun way to go vegan we six of us each mm-hmm. cooked for each other one night a week and we made vegetarian diet menus and we all tried to outdo each other and we were people <laughs> from different parts of the world from some one person was dutch and he knew indonesian food and one liked american fast food and one liked european and so anyway we'd have these really great meals and you'd only have to cook mm-hmm. once a week and it was just a very good way to experience it and i didn't really have the other reasons to add to the mm-hmm. pile of why i chose to go more plant based and and i also then went to india for 4 years and of course okay. india is a real leader in the culinary expertise that relates to uh, mm-hmm. vegetarian nutrition of course they include dairy products a lot ghee and that kind of thing but um, it really gave me a good introduction and then when i came back from india i i remember connecting with somebody uh, with uh, canadians for the ethical treatment of farm animals setva and she told me about boar bashing which means that when a a pig a hog doesn't want to get into the truck to go to the slaughterhouse they would smash him on the snout with a crowbar or a baseball bat and I had fallen and hurt my nose when I was a little kid, so I was really sensitive to what happened to these animals. And uh, over time, I I also had been aware for quite a long time about chickens, and I'd lived on a cattle ranch Mm -hmm. up in Kamloops and saw them being loaded into the trucks. And so I was very concerned about animals. And Mm -hmm. and that group who I learned about the boar bashing weren't, They were not a vegan group. They were just trying to improve the lives of farmed animals. But for me, it was uh, really clear that we didn't even need to eat any of them or have them eventually, I realized, have them be dairy cattle, which is intimately involved with the production of calves, boy calves that go to become veal. And Mm. the, the mother cows, the dairy cows, are turned into hamburger when they're about six years old instead of living to 18 mm-hmm. because they aren't as good milk producers. So just the whole thing, I couldn't do it anymore. 
Wow, that's so interesting. Was that when like the macrobiotics? Uh, Way back when, yeah, macrobiotics were part of things, and and we also, I was a dietitian, so I was aware of the the challenges that come up with not doing it properly, and I started teaching classes at UBC, the University of British Columbia, Mm -hmm. and they were just like a three-night series that was about how to be more Mm plant-based, and it mainly focused on what you do instead of meat. And I had uh, usually three nights, Mm -hmm. and so the third night I'd get my class to bring food because I quickly realized that that brought everything to life. Mm -hmm. So we'd have a potluck. Even though we were in a classroom, we didn't have a cooking facility, and uh, those classes became very popular. And then uh, my classes ended up on the CBC News and in McLean's. Mm -hmm. um, So when I first started writing a book Mm -hmm. with my longtime co-author Brenda Davis and another Vancouver dietitian Victoria Harrison with her first book uh, we uh, ended up quickly getting a contract with Macmillan Canada like we could we just wrote I wrote one letter they barely knew I could write anything more than that and they thought oh you can get yourself on the CBC News and McLean's and so they uh, were very supportive right from the beginning so now I've got uh, about 14 books out and they're in 14 languages we ke- just came out in Hebrew and Russian wow. and, and uh, so it was just the right thing at the right time mm-hmm. and we were of course all very passionate about doing this yeah. you know what really mattered to mm-hmm. us it wasn't just writing something it was really really important and, and then we've had a, a lot of fun speaking my co-author Brenda Davis is in Portland right this minute, but she just came back from Texas and Florida, and uh, she's been quite a few times to mm-hmm. Lithuania, and will be going soon again on her third trip to Saudi Arabia. Like, this is yeah. happening so many places, and yeah. in the last year or so, I've been yeah. to um, Paris, Copenhagen, um, this year to um, Nashville, you know, it's just, it's really yeah. of a tremendous interest, and, and it's very exciting to see so many young people, old people switching, even people you don't expect, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, for sure. So what year was that when you first started writing that first book? It was 1993. Okay. And we wrote a book called Becoming Vegetarian. We've kind of had a series that are becoming, becoming yeah. vegetarian, the new becoming vegetarian, becoming vegan, becoming raw. Um, so that one was not labeled mm-hmm. as a vegan book, okay. but it was a vegan book. Okay. And and we had a chapter without, called Without Dairy. And it was uh, just, it wasn't telling people that dairy was terrible or that it was not nutritious it just said these are some reasons people would not use dairy which include of course being allergic or lactose intolerant or that they don't like what happens to the uh, dairy cows mm-hmm. or they don't like the whole process of, of veal production we didn't say that was a bad thing they said mm-hmm. that these are ways people wouldn't use it mm-hmm. and then we said and these are how you can get the nutrients if you don't use cow's milk and over time we start to realize of course that Canada is a very multicultural society and we uh, have many many people who have some degree of lactose intolerance mm-hmm. like 70% of the world's population has that mm-hmm. yeah. so our food guide was actually kind of racist and it also didn't respect like indigenous people. They never had cows. Yeah. So anyway, we just started to have that fall into place. Well, we had that. <laughs> and the Dairy Farmers of Canada wrote a 45-page booklet against our book right really? away and gave it out to anybody who would take it. Wow. And it was written from a dietitian in Quebec where okay. they have quite a reliance on <laughs> mm-hmm. dairy economically mm-hmm. and and we weren't saying it was a terrible food yeah. that it wasn't didn't have nutrients in it but anyway but it uh, just turned out it did make our book more famous it became a bestseller oh. and so yeah. it worked out in the long run but yeah. it was kind of I realized quickly how passionate people are yeah. about their views mm-hmm. the economic links 
um, our traditions, all this mm-hmm. kind of thing. It's very emotional topic for uh, conversations when people have different perspectives on this. Yeah, that was actually going to be one of my questions was um, being so ahead of the time and being like quite a trailblazer in this yeah. industry. Um, did you find any part of that challenging? And did you receive a lot of pushback, like you mentioned from the dairy industry, but even like socially um, and through the education system? Um, was there any part of that um, that you found difficult? Yeah, it was. I mean, it was very upsetting to me to have this happen with the dairy farmers. Now, it happened also that my daughter, who's now 49, and I have a grandchild and so on, but she was vegetarian before I was. So I was also familiar with the mm-hmm. fact of having a family where my son ate this way, my daughter ate this way, and I was, you know, finding what my path was. So I'm I'm well aware of that. I I guess I was accustomed a bit to being kind of a leader in nutrition. Mm-hmm. I had done research. I started teaching at UBC in 1965 and did research on genetic disorders that was published in The Lancet. So um, it was kind of trailblazing yeah, in that kind area. Of have yeah, already. Well, yeah, but it's still... I, oh, and one of the parts of our book, Becoming Vegetarian, our early one, and, and that's in the Vancouver Public Libraries. It's all over mm-hmm. the place if people want to look it up. But we had a chapter called Vegetarian Diplomacy. And that looked at things. You know, what do you do when your kid goes to school and all the other kids are eating normal food and they're mm-hmm. eating something weird, you know, or, yeah. or, the, what, or when they say, yeah, but you've got leather shoes, what kind of, you know, that, all these mm-hmm, questions. Yeah. So we explored all that. Or when somebody in your group, women's group that you go mm-hmm. to, complains about things. So we looked at the different options. And say we're, we're um, if we're thinking of moving into the holiday season now, we had, okay, what do you do with your family when they go yeah, but we always have turkey. We always have to have turkey. I mean, that's what our family does. And, and uh, some of the options that you could have, like say, well, we could have a skating party instead and, and have that part at my house. And, mm-hmm. Or we, we have these other um, plant-based turkey similar products Mm. or you cook the turkey and bring it over you can have it at my house but I don't want to cook it or you know we did we just had the different or you can just go to Mexico for Christmas and send them (laughs) a postcard yeah (laughs) we usually do yeah (laughs) so anyway there were a lot of options and we looked at what how that affected um when people had that result but I I myself have certainly I I live in a community right now Vancouver co-housing where people are not all vegan by any means Mm -hmm. Um, and also a lot of people are quite attached to animal products and and uh, so it does come up quite a lot and I've seen people who were definitely not going to go plant-based for all their different reasons come to me one day and say I had decided I'm going to go vegan, yeah. you know, and, and it, t- but that's like three years later. Yeah. And, yeah. and uh, that is how we change. So I've mm-hmm. kind of gotten used to it. And I find that there are so many people adopting this way of eating that I've got plenty of work. Like I'm not running out of, um, you know, people to talk to. Yeah places to speak mm-hmm. I, I see clients on a regular basis that are wanting to go plant-based or help their teenage son do it right or different things like that like there's really a lot of interest and so it's it's really heartwarming and also I didn't change all at once mm-hmm. like I was vegetarian uh, 41 years ago I guess and vegan 23 years ago and it certainly has been a gradual evolution and I'm not like a perfect vegan. My bicycle mm-hmm. tires have mm-hmm. some um, animal products yeah. in them. The road I drive on yeah. does. You There's know, no so. such thing as the perfect vegan. <laughs> right, yeah. yeah. So it's yeah. it's uh, just something I think. And I also see people who are not vegan or not vegetarian that are very kind and compassionate mm-hmm. in other ways. Mm-hmm. And they that's where they put their compassion. So I... Um, can't really be judgmental yeah. about this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's really well said. 
Yeah, it's definitely interesting just seeing the progression of the interest in it. And I've noticed now, I don't know if you've watched the Game Changers. Oh, I did. Yeah, we went to <laughs> that so fancy restaurant. Are, like, I know. Getting turned, turned on to it now. It's from that amazing. Movie. Yeah, we had Cowspiracy turn a lot of people. Yeah. Um, Colin Campbell's China Study. I mean, our books have. Yeah. And uh, it's just uh, heartwarming. Yeah. Different ones. You know, one will see some environmental stuff. I did a... Um, talk for spec a while ago and i was um a speaker with jody wilson raybold and we were walking along chatting and and uh she, we were saying what what we did i told her how much i tremendously admired her she said oh i don't think i could ever give up meat and then i we did our little seven minute talks and then she said oh i'd be interested in seeing your books yeah. you know like it's like people are wanting to go for just move in that direction and that's how it works and um, we don't want to put an overlay on somebody else's cultural views there were many good ways say of indigenous eating Mm -hmm. but there were also a lot of plant foods and we're trying to find ways to keep people healthy you know to uh, just maximize our well-being and that of the planet yeah for sure 100 percent yeah um yeah, just how you mentioned the Dairy uh, Council. Or dairy Farmers of da- Canada. Yeah, Dairy Farmers of Canada. When I was going through UBC, we had people from like the Dairy right. Farmers of Canada come yeah. and talk to our classes. Yeah. And I just found the whole... Like, I was there for five years um, because I did do that like holistic nutrition program on the side. Mm-hmm. Um but it just was not a lot of information about how to do plant-based properly. It was right. just warnings like, okay, like you could be vegan or vegetarian, but you really have to be careful about this, this, and this. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't like I wasn't really happy with the lack of information, even though like the information is out there. Like I was in school there in like the early 2000s. Susan Barr. Um, yeah. yeah, I yeah. think she was yeah. Um, yeah. the dean or the, the head of the nutrition. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I'm just wondering if like you had that same experience or what do you think it will take to like get more updated information or like a absolute like course dedicated to like doing vegan properly yeah oh I imagine it's coming in more I mean Susan Barr for example has done several studies on plant-based nutrition and um, I was just out there a while ago in fact I was at a conference at the Vancouver Convention Center hosted by the dairy farmers on Wednesday Okay, what was that about? (laughs) And it was about Canada's food guide and how it's changed, which, of course, the dairy people are quite upset about the lack of emphasis on dairy products on the food guide and that there's not a specific group with the name dairy. And we were going over whether, with Susan Barr doing Mm -hmm. a presentation, uh, going over how do you get all the nutrients. And pretty well they were all covered, Mm -hmm. but except calcium and vitamin D. But actually in the food guide before, that it recommended that people would have, say, four cups of cow's milk a day for calcium and vitamin d which would allow them to meet at least the official recommendations for vitamin d and for calcium and uh, but nobody was doing that that i've ever met you know the nobody was drinking well maybe two people but (laughs) four cups of um, cow's milk a day and and so um, these things all can be helpful you know that we start to get some good guidance Mm -hmm. and they're there needs to be, for example, with the current food guide, some guidance that you can get calcium from the low oxalate greens, that mm-hmm. things like kale and broccoli and collard greens and bok choy mm-hmm. and blackstrap molasses and calcium set tofu. Apparently, there's a kind at Costco that's very high in calcium and uh, white and black beans and um, the calcium fortified non dairy milks and also juices. 
So there's really a lot of options, but people need guidance. Yeah. So that, mm-hmm. you know, instead of choosing um, grape juice or something, they might choose a calcium fortified orange juice. Or, you know, they just yeah. switch their um, choice at the grocery store. And, and this sort of thing takes time for us to put it together well. Yeah. Yeah, we want all the the people on plant-based diets to just be in glowing optimal yeah. health and <laughs> yes. have good bone density. Yeah. And whatever our food guide was before, it still was linked with a lot of osteoporosis in our culture. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so you mentioned vitamin D. So yeah. do you recommend people in Vancouver because you don't get sunshine all year round that's right take a supplement yeah I had um, experienced myself I'm 77 now Mm -hmm. and when I was about 50 I started getting my bone density checked with the an endocrinologist Mm -hmm. in Vancouver and found that I had a potential for osteoporosis I had osteopenia so it just means you don't have osteoporosis but you're Uh, going in that direction and so then I started being careful that I got enough calcium and I usually use uh, about two 250 milligrams so that's like 500 milligrams of calcium daily in addition to my diet because that'll I need about 1200 Mm -hmm. milligrams at my age and that Mm -hmm. just tops it up and I take vitamin D and when I'm old, older, mm-hmm. I need probably 2,000 international units, whereas young people like yourselves would need maybe 1,000. And that's not a situation for vegans. That's for everybody. Mm-hmm. But in Vancouver, we just do not get the sunlight. And they're, they're finding, even in cities, Hawaii, um, San Diego, mm-hmm. Los Angeles, people are low in vitamin D you can imagine there was a study in Honolulu where skateboarders who were out in the sun for 28 hours Mm -hmm. a week were low uh, some of them were low in vitamin D. Do you think that's from where um like the increase in sunblock and like yeah no that no they weren't using sunscreen but they were in a smoggy city oh okay yeah they had you know the air pollution Mm -hmm. and so um we don't have that that badly here but it still can affect our, our vitamin D. Vitamin D is a very lively field of research. and mm-hmm. uh, So I certainly recommend that Canadians, any dietary persuasion, take vitamin D. So little kids need it. Mm-hmm. And our recommended intakes are probably higher than the official recommendations. Not huge high, like not 5,000 or 10,000, but um, that they're higher because those official recommendations of 600 international units are based on bone health and what we need is um, probably to prevent cancer and for a lot of other uses but we don't know the amount for that so that's why it's a very lively area of research vitamin d yeah you just know, the just, role of the immune system and that's exactly and right yeah um do you like what do you think about having to take k2 with it for bone health well, like the people that need K2 are people that have taken antibiotics okay. because our gut microbiota can easily switch the vitamin K and greens into K2. But if you've knocked out all your gut microbiota because you just took... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, so yes, K1, we can get lots of from leafy greens. And if we have a good gut microbiome, we can that can we be can turned into it. K2. That's right. Um, B12? Yeah, B12. What do you, think? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you read we, my mind. <laughs> I did. Oh, we definitely yeah. need B12. Okay. And B12 doesn't come originally from animal products. It comes from um, one-celled organisms, mm-hmm. uh, bacteria. And these are, con- are contaminants in animal products. There's lots of bacteria in there. So that's why they have vitamin B- B12. Mm-hmm. But we can just go directly to the one-celled organisms and get the form that's in supplements and that's what we definitely need to do and that's why um, in Europe we'll find there's occasional problems with deficiency and Mm. and uh, medical people concerned about um, vegan diets but in Europe people aren't quite as likely to use supplements or use fortified foods they just culturally they don't do it as much North Americans are always happy to have some pills 
Yeah. You know, half <laughs> yeah. of the French apparently will take pills for disease, but not for supplements. Oh, so we find somewhat different patterns when we look at how vegans are doing in different parts mm-hmm. of the world, because in England, in um, mainland Europe, uh, the people aren't always taking B12, and so they have occasional problems. Oops. And it, it is very, very important yeah. to take yeah. B12 from somewhere. Now, if, if we had enough dirt on our food, we could probably get B12. Yeah. But, or a long time ago, when they cultured things like um, kimchi or mm-hmm. uh, yogurt, they could have B12 bacteria um, fermenting and, and adding B12 to those foods. But now our inoculums for things like that are very clean, mm-hmm. and we don't necessarily have B12 bacteria in that mix. So anyway, we do need <laughs> a supplement, that's all. Yeah. Do you think, um, like have you seen in your practice issues with vegans just relying on like the fortified plant milks and nutritional yeast? Because like, no, Those can work. Those will yeah. work? Yeah, okay. so we can either take a supplement, mm-hmm. which could be say 25 micrograms a day and it's the teeniest amount it's like the dot at the end of a sentence mm-hmm. that you can barely see or um, say a thousand micrograms twice a week or you can use a nutritional yeast or some of these veggie meats that are fortified or non-dairy milks I mean you'd have to do that twice a day the, the fortified foods so mm-hmm. whatever option you pick and that uh, nutritional yeast was actually developed for a large um, vegan community called The Farm in Tennessee. I think they had, I think, 2,000 people who were on vegan diets in the 70s and 80s. And they, it's a center for also midwifery. It was, that was a big center for that. And so they, they had some of the first studies that were done on vegan pregnancy and showing it was tremendously successful. In fact, the doctor who was looking at it uh, found that they had lower risk of preeclampsia, a hypertension-related disorder that that could um, lead to fatalities and mm-hmm. and certainly health problems. And they were doing really well. This group yeah. and and the nutritional yeast was developed in connection with them. That oh, red that's star vegetarian support formula which yeah. has b12 in it yeah, yeah. and and then the the kids were followed too that with from the centers for disease control they went and measured them at five years old and at different ages and found they were growing perfectly mm-hmm. well so that was our first really big studies because they had between seven and eight hundred vegan pregnancies and mm-hmm. they had um, during the study for the children, mm-hmm. they had about 500 children that were followed. So then it was clear, yeah, you can do it, and here's how you do yeah. it. Yeah. Well, a lot yeah. of those studies are European, mm-hmm. and that's uh, been a problem because they have actually had infant deaths mm-hmm. when the parents weren't taking B12. Mm-hmm. And so uh, that has been problematic. I think the... Um, Oh, is it uh, Belgian gov- Medical Association has been concerned, but our doctors are pretty much getting aware that it's okay. I mean, they don't study nutrition, mm-hmm, yeah. so they'd probably have to learn it from their yeah. receptionist you know, <laughs> yeah. at the medical office. Yeah. But it, yeah, we are aware. Yeah. And um, my my website is called Nutraspeak.com, and on it on the the first section is a link to the position paper on vegetarian nutrition. And I'm a lead author of that paper. It's with the American Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics. Mm -hmm. Although I'm Canadian, I was still a lead author of that paper. And it has all these specifics about what people need to do. Mm -hmm. It's only about eight pages long, but it covers the official statements and that's apparently the most widely read position paper in the world. Um, and it, it's very, very succinct and, and well-referenced and peer-reviewed. Like every sentence, every comma, every word of that is critiqued by experts. And so it uh, made it very clear that we mm-hmm. have good evidence. This can be done. Yeah. 
as long as it's done properly. Yeah, and that's true on any diet. Yeah, um, exactly. You know, people, when they go through pregnancy, they go, yikes, <laughs> this is yeah. really important. <laughs> I better do this yeah. right. Am I going to take on this project? I better yeah. learn a few things, you know. Yeah. yeah. So that the most, when I have clients, I the most I see are, are people that are, embarking on pregnancy or thinking about it or um, have gotten started or they've mm-hmm. got little kids and they're going what do I do now yeah, yeah. yeah I want this child to be really healthy and what we're finding is that the children who are growing up with say soy foods instead of meat have lower risk of breast cancer in mm-hmm. later life lower risk probably of prostate cancer for the boys and they're healthier as teens. So we've had some really big studies, mm-hmm. like the Adventist Health Study has approximately 90,000 people mm-hmm. that are followed. And because they're in the Seventh-day Adventist Church, they will, are willing to fill out these two-hour questionnaires mm-hmm. every few years. And th- they have a relatively healthy lifestyle. So you're comparing vegans, there's quite a significant number of vegans, and lacto-ovo-vegetarians who use mm-hmm. milk and eggs, mm-hmm. and non-vegetarians. And the non-vegetarians may only be eating meat once a week or something like that. And we're finding that we have way better health in the uh, plant-based. For example, the risk of hypertension is 75% less in the people who are entirely plant-based. The risk of cardiovascular disease and type 2 diabetes is 63% less. The risk of cancer for different types of cancer is 19 to 50% less. And the kids tend to have less likelihood of obesity. Like There's a lot of advantages when people are plant-based. And these are people that have somewhat similar lifestyles. Like they, mm-hmm. they do exercise. They don't eat a lot of meat even when they do. They, uh, the Adventists typically don't drink coffee. And um, they do are aware of the different fortified foods that might be options. So it's been very interesting studies, and there's a very similar one in Ox, based in Oxford, England, where they have about 60,000 people. So they're not all Adventists in that case, but they've uh, been following them, so, and we find the same kind of effect. Yeah, we have so much like epidemiology, and then like so much of like the science. It's amazing that, yeah, we actually can like we have resources to back up what we're saying like even if like we didn't have all that I think a lot of people would still want to be vegan for the animals or for the environment but it's great that we have all of this research it is um and especially like I have well we have had like family members who have had to go on like medication for high blood pressure and just the side effects are insane and Mm then they have to like switch to another one because that one isn't working or like the side effect was like too much to deal with so it's just like I want this information (laughs) to be like available to so many people so they don't have to go through that right (laughs) good point yeah our our most recent book was the kick diabetes cookbook and there's a website the kick diabetes cookbook.com and uh, we we um, did that one. Brenda Davis has been working with people in the Marshall Islands for quite a long time, and helping them mm-hmm. return it around just with lifestyle. Like you don't even it's have amazing. to have type two diabetes. Mm-hmm. You can turn that around with just lifestyle, not have to rely on medications mm-hmm. your whole life. Which is like life changing for people who have been having to rely on medications. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Yeah. yeah. Um, so you mentioned uh, cancer risk. Mm-hmm. So I know I've seen some uh, studies and other like plant-based doctors reference like a lower incidence of prostate cancer in men who follow plant-based diets. But now this new information uh, that Dr. Clapper was just talking about is um, higher DHA levels and a risk like a higher risk of prostate cancer so I'm wondering what your thoughts are on about this Um, we're hoping to get more and more research about DHA okay but the the uh, fish 
DHA pills have, mm-hmm. have quite high levels of DHA. And we, I've been rather cautious about recommending. We haven't wanted to recommend to, that vegans should take DHA. So DHA is a long-chain form of omega-3 fatty acids. And if we have some uh, of the uh, parent compounds, which come from things like flax, chia, hemp seeds, walnuts, Mm -hmm. we can make the long-chain DHA. Mm -hmm. And that's very important for our brain. Now, I find that vegans typically don't have such high levels in their blood. But where you need DHA is in your brain. Mm -hmm. So I'm not sure whether we need it floating Mm -hmm. around in our blood. So it's a pro-oxidant, like it's easily oxidized. Mm -hmm. And that's like going rancid, really. And so we aren't really sure that we we need it or that we Mm -hmm. want to be recommending DHA for everybody. But uh, fish actually get their DHA from microalgae. So that's the the real source mm-hmm. isn't um, animal source anyway, or mm-hmm. fish source. So we could be taking low amounts of DHA, mm-hmm. and that may help with pregnancy and with infant brain development. But that's like 200, or sort of these, these lower levels, mm-hmm. not the very high levels that are in some fish supplements. So it is a lively area of research. And I've certainly been very cautious about suggesting certainly that people take that throughout their life. Mm -hmm. I haven't wanted to say they need to. In pregnancy, I've thought, well, it might not be a bad idea. It might be okay Mm -hmm. while while you're pregnant or in infant formula, you know, just for that period of a couple of years. It may help with infant brain development. And we've got some studies where it is helpful, but these are relatively lower amounts. Yeah, I think the one um, that I've used in the past is 250 DHA, 250 EPA. Yeah. So yeah. not like these super mega doses <laughs> that I know some That's people right. take, yeah. like three grams that's exactly yeah, right. Yeah. It's, it can be way, and that's that's like having something that that leads to rusting, floating yeah. around. And uh, I I was involved with Dr. Michael Clapper in something called mm-hmm. the Vegan Health Study, probably in the eighties and nineties. And we used to get a lot of lab tests done. There were okay. some doctors, health professionals, myself, um, mm-hmm. that about twenty of us, and we'd pay. $650 and get just like 150 different tests done. Mm-hmm. And I could never bring my DHA levels up to the norm for a lab. But my brain seemed to be working okay and everything else was yeah, working yeah. okay. So I wasn't really sure that, that I needed it. Mm-hmm. And I had that done several times. But I wasn't getting a brain biopsy. It was my blood they were checking, mm-hmm. and we aren't sure why we'd even need that floating around in our blood. Yeah. So anyway, there's a lot, a lot more to learn on this, and it, we are thinking that people don't need huge amounts of supplements. Mm-hmm. Like we're kind of backing off from mm-hmm. the idea. So we definitely need B12. Mm-hmm. We probably could top up with vitamin D, unless you're out in the sun, really significant amounts. Mm-hmm. In, and then it might carry you through the winter in Canada. But uh, we don't need a lot of supplements. Trying yeah. What about iron? That's one that well, I hear often. Yeah, iron is, is probably our major deficiency in North America, mm-hmm. but not for vegetarians specifically or for vegans. Mm-hmm. It's for everybody, and especially mm-hmm. women of childbearing age who menstruate, and especially for teens and kids who mm-hmm. are, are growing so quickly. So that's one that we really need to think about. So one of the areas is little kids. Um, first of all, a child puts down their iron stores, a fetus does, in the last month of pregnancy. Like that's where they're kind of stocking up to get them through. Mm-hmm. So a woman who's breast breastfeeding, 
um, needs to have iron and, and during pregnancy she needs mm -hmm. to have iron and they do recommend iron supplements in pregnancy that's very routine and then the child has enough to get them through to six months old and then boy they they better get some iron sources when they start having these extra foods well um, tofu and beans and lentils and things they can pick up with their fingers mm -hmm. are recommended now we yeah. we've really changed our ideas about child feeding um, and then when they're little kids again we need to be giving them um, iron sources and you know having that a significant part and we've backed off from things like fruit juice for kids but what they need is little squishy chunks of tofu or squished up beans mm -hmm. they things they can pick up with their hands and then um, when they're growing again they need iron so certainly they they don't do well on soda pop and you know junk foods mm -hmm. um, yeah. chips which a lot of kids are getting yeah. we don't find that the vegetarians are doing worse but it is something we really need to think about and then during when menstruation sets in for girls uh, we have higher recommended intakes than the boys do like we for a woman we need 18 milligrams a day whereas a man needs eight because mm, really think, high, yeah. but that's probably for people who lose a lot of menstrual blood every mm -hmm. um, every week, every month. Yeah. Every, mm -hmm. yeah. So um, that's just an important one, and and that means that people better learn how to use legumes, beans, peas, lentils. Now, a few people mm -hmm. would be allergic to those, and there are other ways to get iron: blackstrap molasses and. I'll put, even potatoes have iron, lots of foods have iron in them, but we want to have some iron-rich foods in the diet. In our, our books, Becoming Vegetarian and the Becoming Vegan Comprehensive Edition, which is for health professionals, it's like a college text, and Becoming Vegan Express Edition, and these are all in the libraries too, but we've been very clear about how to get the different nutrients that we need on plant-based diets. I mean, these are of interest to people who are not vegetarian too, because of course they eat the same kinds mm -hmm. of food for, for much of their diet. But we've been very specific. Here's how to meet your recommended intakes. If you want iron, you want zinc, Here, you want calcium, mm -hmm. you want magnesium, here's how you can get it from plant foods. And it, it means you put together a really nutritious menu for the day mm -hmm. and with them we show you I've got another book uh, cooking vegetarian or cooking vegan where we have recipes that have nutritional analysis and then you know people don't use a, a thousand recipes they usually use about 10 mm -hmm. that are their favorites mm -hmm. and they go back to these but there's an adjustment period while you're figuring out what your recipes are hey, I like this, I really like mm -hmm. that one, I know how to get the ingredients, it's affordable, yeah. my family likes it. You know, so you gradually go through this evolution period where you're figuring out what your favorites are. And there are different groups, and one of the interesting things in, in the Vancouver area is, and in many other parts of the world, there are these things called meetups. And if yeah. you put for Vancouver, like, meet up vegan or meet up mm -hmm. meatless or meet up vegetarian children um, you'll find a number of groups I think one time I found there were like 70 groups came up and they were all different different yeah. interests people had and so there are some forming about how to get together once a week and cook food together like the way yeah. I started out was that sharing and there we have based at our Vancouver co-housing we have a snack luck once a month and snack luck is was just an invented word like potluck yeah but it meant people didn't have to prepare a, a entree mm -hmm. although some people actually do bring things that are practically like that but people bring just this wide assortment of yeah. things and people can try other people's foods and oh, I like um, that. it's really a good idea mm -hmm. and uh, there's a lot of sharing of what you put into things mm -hmm. and sometimes there's a topic or theme for the evening but there's mm -hmm. also this sharing of food and of mm -hmm. course getting to know other people dating all yeah. kinds of stuff like really. that that that's really fun I've been quite surprised lately by how many 
big hunky guys are coming to <laughs> things like that. I think in the, in yeah. the early 90s, yeah. it was like 95% young women that were switching. <laughs> now I'll find, you know, tree planters and lawyers yeah. and um, people in wheelchairs, yeah. <laughs> just uh, bodybuilders, just all kinds of different yeah. people. I are, mean, look at all the guys in Game Changers. Yes, wow. that's right. <laughs> yeah. And and, and in, girls. And girls. Yeah. This year I was speaking in, in Memphis. And uh, I, no, I was speaking in Nashville, in Tennessee, and at their vegan festival. And I always figure out who are the local athletes when I'm doing a talk, just so I can talk about, you know, Megan yeah. Duhamel and, you know, or whoever mm-hmm. it is that's the local um, vegan athlete and found that the Tennessee Titans were going vegan because <laughs> the wife of one yeah. of them was yes. really interested in that and then they were all switching and finding they were even stronger and faster and yeah. fitter yeah so it's it's very exciting yeah I loved seeing that part um, in the movie showing the story of just like how something simple like bringing a lunch with you in a team activity and how people's curiosity alone, like, oh, that looks different. Like, that smells good. Yeah. I, mean, I want to try that. Like, that's right. I want to get on yeah. that meal plan. So. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, I do have one more or two more questions about the iron. Okay. So if someone comes and they are low, mm-hmm. um, do you try foods first, see if that brings it back up, or do you do foods and a supplement temporarily to bring it up quickly. Okay, well, I do a nutritional analysis of people's diets when I come. People come for a fairly long session, like Mm -hmm. about two and a half hours, and and I have them uh, come prepared with a food record of what they've eaten. Even though it's not the same every single day, Mm -hmm. it really gives a good idea. And we can quickly see if they're not using beans peas lentils which have no idea what to do with those things you know or or they're they're uh, struggling with uh, what's available at their um, canteen or cafeteria at work or you know we just see where the Mm -hmm. challenges are and I get a nutritional analysis of the whole pattern Mm -hmm. so then I can quickly see what where their iron intake is and we typically can change that and a lot of times I'll show them something here like how to prepare something that has three ingredients with red lentils and onion and curry paste very Mm -hmm. good but you know just like simple simple Mm -hmm. stuff and so that's one thing now if somebody was low really low Mm -hmm. they could start with a supplement but supplements when there's specific one nutrient they can Mm -hmm. have side effects that are Mm -hmm. not ideal now the other thing is that there are several indicators for iron status and one of them's hemoglobin Mm -hmm. and one of them's ferritin and we found that hemoglobin's the working iron it's what goes around in your blood cells it's got iron in the center of a, a protein molecule and that carries oxygen to your cells and brings carbon dioxide away then there's another molecule called serum ferritin or ferritin it's in the serum um, and it's just the iron that's sitting in the cupboard waiting in case you need some sometime mm-hmm. and I've hardly ever seen somebody on a vegetarian diet that had uh, high levels of ferritin. In fact, often we're quite low. But we found out in the last few years that Mm -hmm. that's actually a good thing. It's like a pro-oxidant leading Mm -hmm. to rusting. And we find that if you've got low serum ferritin, you're maybe at the low end of the normal range, but adequate hemoglobin, You've got all your working iron. Mm-hmm. You need to have a intake in your diet, and you're fine. You have actually a lower risk of type 2 diabetes, probably of cancers, of heart disease. Mm-hmm. So there have been studies in Austria and China and a lot of different countries that have borne out that we don't need high mm-hmm. serum ferritin. In fact, it probably increases our risk mm-hmm. of chronic disease. And a lot of uh, doctors and labs don't necessarily know that. Yeah, that's really interesting. I had heard about like the heme iron, so mm-hmm. the iron in animal products causing um, or being an oxidant. Yeah. 
But is it even like non-heme once it's ingested and it becomes ferritin and it's floating around? Even that is that can be a pro-oxidant. Yeah. Yeah. And then another thing, I just I just went to a event here last week with a geneticist speaking about the new veggie burgers and we don't have the impossible burger in Canada yet but I have tried it in LA but it has a heme that is from soy so there is heme in plant foods yeah I don't know how they made it though because they use some sort of genetic modification (laughs) and they it actually is normal but they would have to use so much soy right so they they find that with this so yeah so one of the interesting yeah. things i learned was that the beyond burger which i do have in yeah we have that in canada we've had mm-hmm. several events here using um adding those mm-hmm. and the uh beyond burger has very ethically sourced ingredients uh, gmo free um, almost entirely organic and they've been very careful with that aspect of it. Mm-hmm. The Impossible Burger was more meant to mimic meat, mm-hmm. and they were aiming for a different kind of mainstream audience that didn't care as much if yeah. it was GMO-free and organic. So it's kind of a different product. And yeah, this, totally different. This geneticist that I talked to, she'd actually worked for the Impossible Burger. So oh, she, she was just clarifying yeah. what the mm-hmm. difference yeah. was. Um, so I know um, it's kind of related to those burgers because those burgers have oils in them. What are your thoughts on um, the use of like oils in our diet? Well, I think for a lot of families, it can be okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have also, when we're trying to reverse chronic disease, we'd want to limit those. And for example, our Kick Diabetes Cookbook mm-hmm. has no extracted oils and no extracted sugars, like refined sugar. It's just whole food Mm plant-based. So there is inclusion of avocado, there's tahini, there's nuts and seeds, but not extracted fats. So that means you have a tahini dressing on your baked potatoes or your broccoli or your salad. And that tastes really good, but it delivers a lot of iron and zinc and different nutrients. Mm -hmm. So that's, there's quite a difference between when people are trying to reverse chronic disease or when Mm -hmm. they're just trying to bring up all their kids who are hungry and, you know, growing fast and need lots of calories. And um, we do want mostly whole food plant-based with Mm -hmm. the growing family, but you don't have to be scrupulous about the oil. But if you want to turn around chronic disease, diabetes, heart disease, um, probably cancers, you, you would avoid all those just kind of useless where you just extract the fat, you don't mm-hmm. get much nutrition with it or extract the sugar. Yeah, definitely a different set of, well, your goals are different, right? Your goals Whether are different, you're yeah. trying to heal from something or not. So, so sometimes vegans have been listening to Colin Campbell or Caldwell mm-hmm. Esseston or, or um, you know, John McDougall who are specifically working with mm-hmm. turning around chronic disease. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that's not, they get the message, oh, we should be eating really low fat. Mm-hmm. That's actually not mm-hmm. true for yeah. all the different kinds of yeah. people on plant-based diets. You know, and the, the athletes, they need mm-hmm. lots of calories, you know, 4,000, 5,000 calories. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're going to easily meet their protein recommended, their iron recommended. They just need lots. I know for myself, like, I... I'm okay using like a bit of coconut oil here and there because every time I've had a blood test, my cholesterol and LDL, like everything's super low. So oh, even if it does rise a little bit, it's okay. I'm, I'm not going to be concerned about that, I feel. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. a good point. We yeah. do have little differences there. Yeah. Some of us are very vulnerable yeah. to things like salt or yeah. oil or that kind of thing. Yeah, for yeah. sure. And I don't know, cholesterol is a precursor to so many like hormones and that's true stuff in the body yeah so. we need it yeah, yeah. <laughs> although we don't need to be eating it no yeah yeah <laughs> yeah the body can make it but i don't know i like uh if i'm gonna like saute some plantain or something i'll put a bit of coconut oil oh in nice there. yeah wow oh, that's so good yeah <laughs> wow yeah um i have a question okay do you think that any 
anyone can go vegan and thrive on a vegan diet or do you think there are certain um, health conditions or just different body types and things like that that would prevent someone from being able to live a healthy life on a vegan uh, whole food plant-based diet okay um, well, you know the website nutritionfacts.org Michael Gregers yeah. he's got a little clip if people want to look up the blood type diet and that it debunks it in about five minutes mm-hmm. but um, and I learned from Dr. Michael Clapper who's another vegan MD that there are about 30 ways to type blood yeah. and none of them relate to um, whether your what your dietary choice would be like mm-hmm. and certainly that ABO system doesn't like the, the, there are differences genetically from one person to another, but we don't mm-hmm. find really that there are differences that mean you should be plant-based. Mm-hmm. What I do find is that some people don't know how to prepare lentils and mm-hmm. you know just don't have that as part of their life and they probably never will. Yeah. you know they're they're just um, and and they're more used to doing their own pattern now there's we've still got some things to learn like we don't as i mentioned we don't know all the research about dha Mm -hmm. it's an evolving field so in my own experience i have not found anybody that couldn't be vegan but they'd have to be maybe like allergic to all vegetables and well i've had i've found people that could only eat four things because they had had some kind of exposure to toxic carcinogens mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. for a while and we just worked out a diet they could eat that had those four things in it and wow. it was nutritionally adequate yeah, <laughs> you nice. know you could i could help people within their framework yeah. um, and people don't have to be eating beans beans peas lentils like if somebody's got mm-hmm. an allergy to those now i found a lot of the allergy tests will test two or three of those legumes but there's actually 20 kinds and usually there's yeah you know, 17 left that you can eat, mm-hmm. but the test doesn't show that. So I, I have not seen that some people should not be vegan, okay. but uh, the world's changing <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and we're moving in that direction a, yeah. a lot. Yeah. Okay, good to know. Good to know. Okay. Do you have any more questions? I think that was a lot of really great information for our listeners. So thank you so much. Um, was there anything that you wanted to add on or something that we didn't get to talk about that you wanted to? No. Well, I'll mention what our websites yes, are. Yes, yeah. yeah. I want to okay. get all that information so, out. So w- my main website is called Nutraspeak.com, like nutrition speak, N-U-T-R-I-S-P-E-A-K.com. And then we have another website I have with Brenda Davis called becomingvegan.ca. And then uh, there's another one, uh, the kickdiabeteskookbook.com. Mm-hmm. So, and those have websites uh, or have uh, video links. Um, I do consultations with people, and that's on the NutriSpeak site, just what is involved with that. And uh, also to look at the meat, meatless meetups. Yeah. That would be fun to, for people because I think it, it's really good to build a support network. And of course, we live in Vancouver. It's yeah. just such a blessing, you know. Yeah. There's lots of um, people that can be helpful, and and also for people not to feel badly about where they are on the spectrum. I mean, if they're moving in that direction towards being plant-based, yeah. that's wonderful. That's really, really helpful information. Um, that's yeah. good tips for people who are just like vegan curious who are listening. Because I know we have a few listeners who are dabbling in veganism but aren't like fully there yet so it's good to hear those options for them yeah i think we just both feel like it's such an honor to have you on the show um and really appreciate you speaking with us and sharing your story and so much information with our listeners so thank you again good great thanks for being here
Thank you so much for listening to Vegan Boss Radio. If you enjoy the show, be sure to hit subscribe and leave us a five-star rating and review. We would really appreciate that. We've got a lot more episodes coming up and we will be releasing them weekly. So to stay in the loop and stay connected, you can find us on Instagram at vegan underscore boss. If you are looking for any support on your journey to going more plant-based or need help with your nutrition, you can find Shauna's information at synergynutrition.ca and on Instagram at synergy underscore nutrition. If you need any support with your business and personal branding or if you're starting a vegan-friendly business, you can find my information at meganmediadesign.com and on Instagram at meganmediadesign. If you have any questions for us, are interested in becoming a guest on the show, or are interested in any sponsorship opportunities, you can contact us at veganbossradio at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. Thank you again for listening and being part of our Vegan Boss community.